I'm going to call us to order. Dr. Trevis, you're going to leave us in the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Wow. Must be because we have food, right? Um, so let's start with the agenda amendments. Any changes, solutions? I, I would like to uh, go out of order if we could and move item G1 uh, right after public forum before the budget. That's okay. That Which one? Only, that was the only change staff suggested. G1. On G1. Golf course winter ops. On the golf course winter ops, because that budget is included in the budget you're adopting. It's probably better to decide you want to do it before you adopt the budget. Is that all right? Is there a motion to approve? So move. Second. All in favor? Aye. Item C recognition. I'm going to turn this whole topic over to Cindy. Well, we're going to start with me, but we're going to immediately go to others. So we have a lot of employees to recognize. Some um, actually celebrated their, should have been honored last month, couldn't make it. So um, we, that's why we have such a large group, and we wanted to take a few extra minutes this morning. And we did provide food because you were all coming, so please do take some of the food. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you and Paul Lockridge. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, uh, among others, we're here to celebrate uh, Coral, three years as technical services uh, supervisor. She's done a great job in the, or one of the toughest jobs at this district. I hope everybody recognizes how difficult it is sometimes to deal with the things that uh, she deals with in her department. Um, in the three years, she's uh, managed a major transition with Brad's retirement and hiring Philip um, and training Philip and getting Philip up to speed. She's closed out an enormous backlog of permit and development agreement projects and deposits and collected a lot of money for those. Uh, she's managed the design of two capital projects on a fast track successfully. Those are the Chamberlain's Drive water line replacements and the old dollar uh, project, as we call it. Uh, she's implemented and held the line on the three-day uh, construction inspection schedule, which has been a huge efficiency improvement for the department. Uh, she's fixed a number of ordinance issues, uh, most recently the multi-unit residential billing issue that we spent a bit of time discussing. And uh, she's completed a number of supervisory and management trainings. Uh, she's, Coral's uh, friendly, very smart, very detail-oriented. She's our best, by far, proofreader. And um, she's dedicated to self-improvement, and uh, it's been a pleasure working with her. Congratulations, Coral. Great job. <laughs> 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 
actually made it through the obstacle course. Yeah. <laughs> the gauntlet. Okay, the next item is, uh, we'll pass it to Bob to recognize Roger Adams. Seems like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> that I have Roger here introducing him um, to the board um, and bragging about his experience that uh, he had brought with him at that point. Um, just to give you a little reminder, he, he was a head groundskeeper at UC Davis for 10 years. And then also was at the city of Venetia as a park supervisor for 10 years before he even came on board with us in 2007. Um, we were very fortunate to get him um, and still feel that way. Um, the experience that he's brought with us to the district um, and our parks department is number one, leadership. Um, the, the style that he manages, uh, park crew, has been amazing. Uh, it's been a big turnaround for the parks department. And uh, uh, proof is in the If you go around and look at our facilities, you see the level of maintenance that we're providing out there for the facilities, it's, it's, it's dramatic. The improvements he's made to our ball fields, our parks and our buildings, um, his budget monitoring, he keeps a close eye daily on the budget to make sure his expenditures are, are in line and make sure that he doesn't go over budget. He has um, enormous integrity and he's, he's very professional and he's created uh, great relationships with both contractors, other agencies, obviously his peers, co-workers, management, board, everybody. I'm very impressed with that. He has a self-confidence that uh, really is hard to beat. Uh, his significant accomplishments in the last five years are one, number one is the boat ramp. That's been a very big challenge. It's ever since they started doing inspections there, the challenges that have been created by um, having to do inspections on the side, having gates at the, at the top of the ramp, having to put in one-way control devices, all the stuff. Um, it's been a challenge. It's just, and the staffing issues, too, and keeping everybody in line. So thank you, Roger, for everything you've done there. Oh, um, the sidewalk ordinance enforcement, there's been some challenges to that over the, over the last five years, and Roger's done a great job to improve that. Um, Bringing the ride-out kitchen project, that's been a two-year <clears throat> ordeal. Um, and Roger's been the one in the background who's been taking everything and, and running with it and getting through DSA and working with designers and everybody, uh, school district, to, to get that project done. It's going to be a start in construction uh, after, after Thanksgiving. So that, that's a really big deal. Uh, the ride-out floor plot project was challenging, and uh, we have a new ride-out gym floor, and that's all due to Roger's work. Coordinating snow storage. Sounds easy, but it's not as easy as you may think. And it took a lot of time on Rogers Park to coordinate with the contractors to, to do that snow storage. I already talked about our improvements to ball fields. I mean, that's really a specialty. And our ball fields are taking a, a big leap in aesthetics and playability. <coughs> and then taking over some new facilities. I mean, he's taken on, he's absorbed new facilities. Lakeside Trail is a biggie. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, watched closely by the public and will be. And it will be expected to look good and and all that. And then the other Placer County properties um, that we've absorbed, Squaw Valley Park, Customs House, uh, the bike trail up to Squaw, et cetera, several t different facilities. So anyway, what he's done here in his five years has been tremendous. Proud to have him on board, and I hope he's here for a long time. Congratulations, Roger. Congratulations. Keep that bank going. I was going to put a nose print on here, but it didn't seem appropriate. Thank you. Thank you.
Way to go, Roger. So well deserved. So I'm going to accept So next, uh, Tony's going to be on, and most of us don't even get to hear Tony speak uh, very much. So now we're going to have four in a row for Tony. So, um, unfortunately, Chris Bocek couldn't be with us this morning, but I'd like you to go ahead and recognize Chris. And yeah. Um, we will recognize him, but we'll embarrass him, I'm sure, as well when he's around. Um, so I want to start with Chris Focek, um, 10 year service recognition. Uh, Chris actually worked for the district prior to, um, prior to this 10 year um, stint, and then he came back to us. He went to Squaw Valley, then came back. Um, you know, Chris has taken the role of. Um, you know, putting his head down, getting all the certificates, getting, uh, you know, putting himself in a position to continue to grow in this, in this uh, organization and in this uh, industry that we're in. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about Chris is his dedication to um, doing the right thing. Uh, he's very inquisitive. He always wants to do the right thing, um, and he's not afraid to ask. Um, so. Really proud to have Chris here for 10 years. Uh, I think he has a bright future here. Um, so, but uh, we'll, we'll recognize him again. Again, another um, time. Another time. Um, so I'd like to move on to Francisco Gonzalez, 10-year service recognition. Um, so Chris and, actually, Chris and Francisco are actually hired at the same time. Um, and Francisco, you know, I can say about Ten things that describe him, but I can summarize them into a few: uh, energetic, um, full life, motivated. He's a self learner. Um, he takes the time to do things right. He's very inquisitive, um, you know, and wants to learn. Um, and what that what that's led him to is uh, a, a great transition to. Uh, fill a role um, as the district electrician um, with our recent sh shift in, in our, uh, in our uh, organizational chart, moving Kevin to lead electrician, Francisco has filled the void uh, of the electrical technician. And uh, I can't say enough about his work ethic. Um, I've only heard good things about what he's been doing since this transition. He's jumped in. He's done great work at Sunnyside Pump Station. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm really proud to have him on board. I think uh, this transition uh, holds a really bright future for him, and, uh, and, and he's put himself in this position. So uh, I want to thank Francisco for 10 great years, um, and hopefully we'll have another 10 great years together. So.
my boss. <laughs> oh, she was asking if she could hear me. All right. Um, so now I'd like to move on to Tabstrata, 15-year service recognition. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with Tab for uh, 14 of those 15 years. Um, and I can't think, you know, all, everyone in this organization is dedicated, but clearly sometimes there's someone who puts their head down and does what they need to do to get the job done, and Tab's one of those guys. Um, he, day in and day out, um, provides a district with services uh, that, um, that go kind of unsung. Um, <laughs> he, he uh, for years and years, he's been probably the person who's taken the most on calls in the district. And, uh, you know, early in the morning, late at night, angry customers, um, you name it, he's seen it, uh, you know, through thick and thin, through rain, sleet, and snow, um, through fires. Tab's been there for this community. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I can't, can't think of a, a, a better person to recognize for, you know, their dedication to public service and what we try and do here every day for our water and sewer customers. Um, so he's been a, a, the biggest, one of the biggest uh, projects that we've undertaken over the last few years is our water meter program. And water metering is great. There's a lot of things that go into uh, getting that project off the ground, but in the end, it's, it's, it was Tab who took the ball uh, and, and ran with it to um, basically installed all of our own meters internally. Um, I think he installed over 1,500 meters uh, by himself. And, uh, and then he took over the, the whole meter reading program, the meter maintenance program. So he's really been the key asset on the ground uh, to our success in our metering program. Um, so I really want to recognize him for that because uh, he's, he's dedicated to that. He want, you know, he's dedicated to making sure that the meters are working right. Um, and another program that, he's, uh, that he took over and, and has kind of done and we don't really talk about is our valve exercising program. Um, basically every year, every one to two years, we try and go out and exercise all of our valves, make sure they're working right, make sure the, the valve boxes are clean. Uh, make sure they're painted and located, uh, and, and Tab's pretty much been single-handedly responsible for that whole program. So that's um, a valuable asset in the middle of the night when you're looking for a water valve and you can look up on a power pole or on a tree and find uh, a paddle marker that tells you where that valve is. Um, Tab probably has something to do with that. So um, it's, he's a huge asset to this district, and uh, I'm proud to have him here for 15 years, and uh, hopefully he'll be here a little while longer. So. <laughs> Hard to imagine 30 years 
with the district, uh, especially when you look as young as you are, and you're younger than me, and so that's really frustrating. <laughs> um, but um, Kevin Farrell's just been a tremendous asset. So I have, we have a few pictures over the years to embarrass you with. <laughs> but not long after Franklin flew a kite, and Edison invented the light bulb, the kid came to work at TCPD. <laughs> And then uh, over the years, some, you know, 1982 is when he started here. Um, and so we pulled up a few facts. The average cost of a new house is 82000 I don't know if that was here or not. Maybe it was never here. Average income was $21,000 a year. Average monthly rent was $320. Average cost of a gallon of gas was $0.91. Cents. Loaf of bread cost $0.53. Cents. Uh, I don't, the first CD was sold in Japan. <laughs> Times Magazine's Man of the Year was The Computer. <laughs> Michael Jackson released his second adult solo album, Thriller. And Kevin Farrell was hired <laughs> as TCPD. <laughs> Seasonal construction worker at $6.56 an hour. Do you even remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we have a few <laughs> pictures. Sometimes it's hard to see. I couldn't tell if you'd be able to see. So we put some arrows on there to see the old crew. You know, there, are, there is a lot of beverages being held in a lot of hands. Because a lot of these pictures are taken at, at events, not at uh, work day. <laughs> some of you might remember that one. What is that? Christmas party. Oh my God. We used to always take photos of the events. We're going to do some retirement. Yeah, no, <laughs> You know, I know. You, you know it's wait. coming. You won't let us do it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's going to be ten more years, and I won't. Yeah, oh, I won't be here to do These that. These look like those pictures when people say, "God, he seemed like such a nice guy." So I'm going to. <laughs> so, so I'm going to let Tony talk a little bit about the work Kevin does and and his history here, yeah. and and show a few more as we go through of so actually working. Kevin, Kevin was just recently promoted to the lead electrician. Uh, however, for many many years, he served as the kind of the the district's solo electrician, um, and uh, you know Kevin day in day out responsible for the operation of the water and sewer systems with regards to electrical and telemetry and all our commu site communications. Um, and so a lot of the things we do day to day kind of go unnoticed, but um, the challenges of working in the electrical field have changed over the years. Um, and have led us to, you know, strict safety protocols. And I just want to point out, as uh, as you see on here, the, you know, those are um, the protective gear they're wearing is for what we call our flash protection. It's a program we've instituted over the last couple of years. Uh, so anytime they're working in live panels, uh, they have to wear those that protection. Um, and uh, um, so there's a lot more that goes into just being an electrician. It's actually being able to work with a lot of safety controls uh, and still be efficient and effective and safe. So um, here they're working at a, with a 
on a generator transfer switch at the water's edge sewer pump station. Uh, this is more recent during our Sunnyside uh, pumping control project. They've been uh, instrumental in getting prepared for the new controls at that pump station. So here they're in their arc flash gear as well, working on uh, moving some controls uh, for the pump station. Same picture. Um, so they're not in their gear, so the panel has been is not live at this point. Um, but uh, that is Water's Edge Pump Station where they put in a new transfer switch because the old one had failed. Uh, same, same location. <coughs> same location. Yeah. Is that it? I think that's it. Okay. So. Um, no, one more. No, oh, one more. <laughs> same location. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm proud to. What's at the bottom? Yeah. I, I almost propped it, but I decided it was at a holiday party. It's a holiday. There's a common theme, and it starts with B and ends with R. Um, good choice, by the way. Um, you know, it's been an honor to work with Kevin for, you know, almost 14 of his 30 years here. Um, I came from a background in electrical and controls, so um, I recognize the value that Kevin brought to the district right away. Um, and I lean on him a lot for things that need to get done around here. And, um, you know, I, I want to add a few tidbits to the, to the things that, uh, that have gone on, but um, I want to recognize that Kevin's worked for seven superintendents uh, over the years um, and four general managers uh, over the years. And, uh, and <clears throat> You know, I think all of them would probably say the same thing we're saying today. And, uh, you know, Kevin's a no-nonsense kind of guy. He'll give you a straight answer whether you want to hear it or not. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, uh, we've gone through a lot together, but we've improved this organization as far as electrical and controls and pump stations, um, and Kevin's a huge part of that. Um, his attention to detail, uh, the quality of his work, uh, his reliability as an employee and a person. Um, he's extremely dedicated to improving this district. Um, and he's always interested in uh, improving things. Um, you know, uh, when we made the transition to uh, move Kevin up and Francisco as the electrician, um, you know, it, there's a lot that comes with that. And Kevin was, you know, I had no problems with Kevin being a mentor to uh, somebody like Francisco uh, because I know that all those qualities that Kevin has will be transferred down to, uh, to people who work with him. Uh, and, uh, and that's something that helps me sleep better. <laughs> Uh, and that uh, is, is a huge asset to this district. So, um, you know, 30 years is a long time. Uh, I think hopefully we've got a few more left in them. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, but I, I, you know, Kevin's done an excellent job and he's, uh, he's earned, he's earned these past 30 years and he's earned this promotion that he recently got. Uh, so really proud to have him on board. Um, 
I had a couple more things too. Um, so I contacted a couple of our retirees who wanted to make a few comments. Uh, first off, I wanted to read what Bill Bach, um, our Tony's predecessor, had to say. Once in a while since retiring, I've reflected on people or situations that were part of my career. When I think of someone like Kevin Farrell, I'm reminded of a dedicated, hardworking, knowledgeable individual who you could always count on to get the job done. He is self-motivated and worked mainly without supervision. The quality and completeness in his work was something that he always took pride in. As a manager, you would often forget how important and complete his work was since Kevin is the type of person that would just move on to the next task. The quality, operation, and reliability of most control systems were and are mainly a product of Kevin's constant attention. I was fortunate to have worked with such a reliable and talented person. Congratulations on 30 years, Kevin. And then Bob Lowry wasn't quite as articulate, but <laughs> he will, Kevin will always be the kid. We hired three seasonals in 1982 and were so impressed with two of them that we created two full-time positions at the end of the summer and hired them both on. A few years later, we had some turnover and we decided that one of the new young smart guys could become the next electrician. Kevin was always so dedicated and methodical in his work he was reliable, never calling in sick, never flinching in emergencies. He was and is an incredible asset to the district. Um, and one other comment I, I would just make is um, we have a lot of heroes that we recognize in our society, but often I think our utility workers don't get the recognition they need to get or our public employees um, who aren't in health and safety directly uh, don't get recognized as much. And uh, I really think when you look at the amount of risk Kevin has faced over these years, many of us face risk, and many of our utilities employees especially face risk in their day-to-day -day jobs. But Kevin literally is in situations in fires and floods dealing with power and power outages and trying to keep water going in a fire uh, is a critical issue. And nobody holds up signs as you're leaving the fire scene saying, thank you, utility workers. Um, but that's exactly what Kevin was doing out there. So thank you, Kevin. 30 years. Thank you. I really don't know what to say. You know, thanks Another for all the, all the kind words. But uh, so really... I'm just doing my job, you know, and uh, I've seen a lot of uh, boards and management and uh, fellow employees over three decades, but all I can say is the district's in good hands, from what I can see. Thank you. I, I'm sorry, I think there were a few more comments people wanted to make, and I... <laughs> Um, I just uh, had a, a general comment, um, and it was appropriate, I think, with uh, Kevin being recognized that it's not very often, if in fact I'm not sure I remember a time, when we've been able to honor uh, five and I think maybe six employees at, um, at one board meeting. And I think this group, um, and anchored by Kevin, just epitomizes and, and shows this whole community what the quality of staff is that works here for the PUD and how we as community members and um, uh, uh, rate payers and users of our recreation systems 
are so very fortunate to have this quality of employee that you all show to be. And uh, it's a pleasure to honor the five of you, the six of you today, but uh, all of you fit right into that category as far as we as community members so see it. Thank you all. Right, well said. Thanks. Thank you. Well, so he kind of stole my thunder, so we obviously didn't rehearse this, but um, my, my last recognition was to all the employees. And every year at, um, get emotional and choked up. Every year at Thanksgiving, I try to get a message out, and I thought today was, excuse me, an important day to do that, um, to just recognize and give thanks for all of you. Because you're serving this district in ways, sorry, that so many people don't know. And because we could do that in public and I could cry on TV or web, and, <laughs> um, but I think about the sacrifices you make out there every day, and we sit up here and I guess mm -hmm. get credit, sometimes get blamed, but you're the ones doing the work out there and saving people money every single day. Every one of these employees does that. And I'm so proud of all of you. Well, um, <laughs> sorry. I, I think before we go on, we're going to take about a couple minute break, just so that um, you can you can have some of the refreshments that I'm sure everybody was up all night cooking, and and then we'll move on to public forum. So we'll stand in recess for a couple minutes. <laughs> Well, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> what else am I going to do? I do. 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 I I
appreciate public employees.
So when this goes to sleep, do I have to hit the start button all over again? The on-off? You look great. Congratulations. It's one of the settings. Um, Taking care of yourself, Ron. That's where you get. That's what you start getting. You look great. I can't believe I got that. Well, I had you. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Okay. All right. Are we all here? Oh, good. Okay. So I'm going to pause back into session. Um, Madam Chair. Yes. Um, there was one other item I forgot to change on a request on the agenda, and that was on um, the agreement with uh, the amended agreement with Tahoe Nordic Search and Rescue. Jimmy Smith is here, and if we could move up item number four earlier in the agenda as well, that would be appreciated. Item number four is concerned. H four. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so we'll sorry, H four. Okay. Off consent calendar, so he can address the board. I apologize for that. Um, where did you want to move that? 
Um, if he's available, we could do that quickly now or go on. Let's, let's go on. He's, we'll go on. See him. He's prepared to wait. Okay. Um, what, can we do public forum and then we'll go to that item? So we're back in session and uh, we're on item D, public forum. Does anybody want to address the board on anything that is not on the agenda? This is a sincere request for public forum. If anybody has anything to say. Hearing then, we'll move on. We're going, um, item H4 has been pulled from consent, uh, which is the amended lease regarding um, lease use and possession of equipment with Tahoe Nordic Search and Rescue. We're going to pull that from consent and move it to now. Yeah. Oops. Remember? Thank you. So um, we're bringing this to, uh, forward to the board today to make some um, amendment, amendments in the language that we have with the uh, Tahoe Nordic Rescue Center, um, Search and Rescue. Um, we discovered upon, they discovered upon their review and also when we were asking for um, the insurance coverages that we had some gap in insurance in their contract. And so we did some creative solutions with Steve Gross and also Jimmy Smith and Chris McConnell all joined us with Cindy and I and we, we added some new language to this lease agreement that mitigated the district's uh, exposure to some risk, which had to do a little bit with workers' comp and also some general liability issues. And we discussed this extensively at Finance Committee, and what I'd like to do is open it up to any comments from the board if you've had a time to, to read the agreement or not. Finance, I don't know. Finance Committee is good with it? Yeah, we, we yeah, talked yeah. about it in depth. We did once. Something added with yeah. respect to risk management and training and operating mm -hmm. the vehicle. Yes. Yes, we did. Okay. As well as we did also weigh in, which Aqua JPIA also weighed in on the amended contract as well and agreed that, that we've done a good job of mitigating our risk here. Okay, move approval. Second. second. Any discussion? Did you? Uh, Director Trebus, did you want to address the board? You don't have to. <laughs> over here, I can. Yes, because we we uh, are streaming live. If you cry, you're in trouble. But if you cry, Jimmy, uh, we're in trouble. Well, I, I won't cry. It's even a lot worse than this. The uh, on behalf of the Nordic team, first off, we'd like to thank you for everything you do for us. I, it goes back years and years and years, long before I was a member of the team. Let's see, you house us, you. You, you give us snow cats that we can use for rescue. And over the years, the team actually believed that we had all this covered. And when the new cat showed up from PCWA and we went to sign the new lease agreement, that's when we realized there was a tad bit of a hole in our insurance. Over the years, we thought we had all this insurance to cover the PUD as well as the team. But there was a certain amount of time where we're not covered on insurance by OES, which is Office of Emergency Services. And it's that small gap, maybe, yeah, 200 hours a year, and that'd be way overestimating it. But it's still 200 hours a year where the coverage wasn't there. And previous boards um, for the Tom Nordic team believed that that coverage was in place based on our liability insurance. Being that we're an all-volunteer team with no employees, we never even really discussed the word workman's comp. But it's really important to know the differences between liability and workman's comp, and we have learned that now. So 
as soon as we identified it, we brought it up to the PUD, and we want to apologize for the oversight going going backwards. But going forwards, we'll make sure that every activity we do, that you're covered or the activity won't be done. That's more or less where the team stands at this point. So I want to just thank you for your, your past support, your future support, and we love being with you here on the property. So, um, and if there's any questions for us, we'd be happy to answer them and take care of anything you need. Yes, sir. Uh, I think it'd be wise for you to mention something about how if you're tasked by the sheriff department, how the liability falls. Yeah, the Colorado Nordic Search and Rescue Team is a standalone 501c3 search and rescue agency. We are identified by the state of California as a public service rescue agency. And the way this works is the state of California has what are known as disaster service worker laws. Those laws provide coverage for any person that's registered under that program that provide volunteer services to the state and to the public in general. When the Tala Nordic Search and Rescue Team is called out for a search, the minute my phone rings and they say, Jimmy, I have a search, please come, I am now covered under state workman's comp, and it's an unlimited policy. So from the time I leave my door to the time I return home, I am covered with workman's comp. And anything that happens to me, the state of California will take care of. On a training operation, for instance, if we were training new operators on the snowcat, which the coverage starts the minute we arrive at the garage, and then it ends the minute we leave the garage. So on a training, me driving my own car home, I'm not covered by the state. But as soon as I get out of my car and I walk up to the garage, I am covered by the state of California as far as workman's compensation. Where the hole fell in is, for instance, if during a search we broke a browser, two days later we'd show up at the garage after we got our sleep, we pull the snowcat off the trailer, or off the truck, and we fix the browsers. That's where we didn't have any workman's comp coverage. Because our board, previous to this current board, believed that our extensive insurance policy that we had with all of the liability as well as excess liability would cover that. Unfortunately, everyone in the world is covered by our policies with the exception of anyone on our roster. <laughs> if you're on our roster, you weren't covered. And when we that was what we identified. So at this point, we are looking into getting coverage for those off hours, but for the purposes of the lease agreement you're about to sign, we recognize that that lease tells us that we can only operate the CAT during approved trainings as well as search and rescue operations. And technically speaking, we've been a little lazy over the years because even when we maintenance the CAT, that should be a training. I should be calling a new snowcat operator in to show them how to maintenance the cat. So we're going to start doing that, using it as a training opportunity for the new members, as well as getting the coverage that we need just in case somebody does get hurt operating the equipment. The, I guess the part is we're very diligent, and I know you wanted to add it into the lease about training, and we're very diligent about who gets to operate that cat. You get to ride second seat as a new member, but you don't get to operate it, nor do you get to operate the truck or do anything that could hurt someone until you are trained and you, check, and you are checked out by seasoned operators. I remember when I went through the process, it wasn't just a matter of, oh, let's go on a search here, jump in the driver's seat. It wasn't anywhere close to that. After a few years of going along and seeing how it worked and then getting a little bit of dabbling in it while another operator told me what to do, 
that's when you finally get turned loose in the middle of the night during a raging snowstorm to take a $50,000 piece of equipment out into the woods. So we're very, we're very cognizant of the fact that the only people we send out are seasoned, they know what they're doing, and we're not going to risk anybody's life with somebody who isn't qualified to operate that piece of equipment. I really want to thank Jimmy and the whole team and your board, and not only for being creative and finding solutions. Often government puts up obstacles to these sorts of transactions. That's why we couldn't just directly give them the snow cap. That's why PCWA couldn't just give them the snow cap. We had to find this creative way to address the problem, and thanks to Steve Groves and to Jimmy in particular for finding a creative solution that protected the district as well as addressed our community's needs to keep you operating fully for all that you do to protect all of us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? If not, I'll call for the board vote. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Any abstentions? Motion carries unanimously. Director Wilkins made the motion, and Director Trevis seconded it, and it carries unanimously. Certainly. Okay, we're going to move on. Moving item G1 up to have that discussion prior to the budget discussion. Okay. So I'm going to start off, and Bob Bolton will be able to answer more questions on this as well. But in the last, well, ever since we started holding public meetings on discussions about the golf course, there was a really strong community interest in trying to regain a full use of that property, summer and winter. And we heard that through numerous coffee talks and public meetings, and a strong, strong interest in it. And as you know, the board had to wrestle with a dilemma. How do you find the best golf course operator, and how do you find the best potential winter operations, of which had been sporadic over the many years of operations at the golf course? You made a decision to go with the best golf course operator, and then we wrote into the lease some amount of flexibility to address potential for winter use. So in the last few months, Bob and I have been meeting with Tahoe Cross Country, as well as Duncan Golf, to see what we could put together in terms of a partnership. And through those meetings and through a very extended Parks and Rec special meeting this past Wednesday, I think we've arrived at a really good proposal, working with both existing leasees and groups that we are working with currently to address a pilot program that would allow us to try winter operations. And I think it's a real win-win for our community, and we're working with two existing contracts, so we're not spending a huge amount of time, albeit we'll have some amount of time on a new legal agreement outlining this if you approve it. But it takes tremendous flexibility on the part of Duncan Golf. It's their liquor license and their responsibility. They don't know much about cross-country skiing and snowshoeing. Thankfully, Valley and Kevin do, and their board has been supportive of this concept, as well as Duncan Golf. So it really takes a three-way partnership to make this happen with our commitment, their commitment, and Duncan Golf's commitment. 
California, the Tahoe Cross Country. Um, and I think it's a tremendous resource for our community. It's what we heard in response to many, many community meetings about trying to build more recreational uh, activities for Tahoe City in the winter months, directly in Tahoe City. So with that, I'll turn over more of the details to Bob um, to cover. So uh, we're, re we're recommending that the board approve a, a budget not to exceed $40,000 for property taxes uh, for this pilot program. Uh, it's to provide a winter recreation at the Tahoe City Golf Course uh, for cross-country skiing, uh, snowshoeing, walking, sledding, and food and beverage. Um, the amount of 40000 is already in the 2013 proposed budget. This is on your agenda today for approval. Um, the proposal basically is uh, rental equipment and facilities for cross-country skiing um, and snowshoeing, et cetera, uh, food and beverage, uh, starting December 22nd. So hopefully we'll have a lot of snow out there and we'll get in, uh, jump in on a start for the holidays. Uh, that for that period of the holidays of uh, December 22nd to January 6th, we fill every every day. Uh, a nine to four would be the operation for, for cross country um, skiing and for that, that concession. And then we're still working out the flexibility of when the volume of people would be there about when the food and beverage would, would be available. The idea right now that we're looking at is four days a week. Um, we were jumping all over the place between three days a week, five days a week. We, um, we realize that with a pilot program, we want to start small and not take a whole lot of risk. Um, so we're kind of looking now and focusing in on a four-day-a-week operation. So Friday through Monday, uh, having the uh, rental equipment available, and then the other days that we're not off, and then have food and beverage there also those four days. The days that we are not open and operating, we would still be laying, uh, setting track. For the public to uh, access the, um, the, the, the golf course and ski, et cetera. We would close down the sled hill during those days, uh, but everything else would be accessible for walking, uh, skiing, that kind of thing <coughs> out there. Um, we, uh, we've been also talking about, uh, you know, everybody's got some, some risk involved in this, and I really appreciate both Duncan Golf and Tahoe Cross Country for their flexibility in planning this. We're all recognizing this is a pilot program. We've got to start small and, and work our way into, into something bigger. Without, without taking on a whole lot of risk. Um, we're working on also, I'm looking at a 50-50% uh, um, share on, on the profits side also. Um, and the offsets, if, if, if for some reason there were some losses, we're looking at the offsets would come from a reduced revenue from the operations that we already have. The top of cross country, uh, we have a contract with them. Basically, we can see that there would be a potential if there's some losses that um, it would be uh, offset uh, in the revenue they pay us and then same as one. That's kind of what we're looking at now. Um, that's the gist of it. The idea, pilot program, try some things if, uh, and make adjustments as we go. I mean, if, if, if we're seeing that something's really popular, if the volume of people are here on certain days and requesting, we, we make that move. We want to have that flexibility. And we see that flexibility with both these that's how we're approaching it, and that's what we'd like to do um, with a $40,000 investment from, from the district. Maximum. It could be, it could be better than that, um, but, but not, not more than that is what we're recommending. You and might mention that last sentence on the on your Right, and, and we specifically said property tax revenue because we do plan to do additional um, 
fundraising in the community and if that comes if that comes through then um, we might spend all of that money would be focused and the intent of that would be focused to either supplant this or enhance it if there's certain additional if we get that sort of volume and dedication and people want more days of the week then some of that money maybe could be used so we want to specifically uh, call out maximum of 40,000 in property tax revenue so before we open it up do you have any questions of staff I have one question about <coughs> I would like to see you begin having some conversations with the people down at Sugar Pine on their cross country and that we, facility we have uh, and, and along similar lines well what we did I have I've given them a list of questions they need to address for, for the rest of you. Um, the West Shore Association is looking at purchasing a snowcat and operations at Sugar Pine, and we've provided them a list of questions. They wanted us to participate in the purchase of the snowcat, and so we had similar questions to what we just went through with Tahoe Nordic. Who's going to operate the piece of equipment? Who's going to maintain it? Whose ownership? What's the value of it? Many of those same questions, and I said we're not here to oppose it, I'm not trying to put up obstacles, but we do have to work these out for the public to participate in this purchase. I talked to Steve about that as well, Lou. Okay. And so we do want to help support additional cross-country and recreation in our community, uh, throughout our community, and it's finding that right blend of who's going to be responsible and ensure the district if we uh, participate in that in that program as well. Well, reason I am, we do have taxpayers down on the West Shore, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely, and we always look at the district as one district, you know. But right. So, so we, we, I'm just curious. Sounds like there's a a group who's trying to establish regular grooming at Sugar Pine. They have been doing that, and but they're in need of a, a new used piece of equipment. But that has been going on for many years, right. in conjunction with state parks, who yeah. have been pro providing some level of funding. But that not what they should be. Yeah, and there's a, state parks has, services have been diminishing. Yeah. So we've been approached to participate, and we have not said no or yes. We've just asked more quite more detailed questions. How? Yes. How? So it's it's basically continuing the same program that's going down there. That's, that's going correct. on down there. It's not. Yeah, we've been asked to participate in the yeah. purchase of the equipment. Yeah. Purchase of right. a piece of that equipment. They are buying yeah. surplus equipment. Without getting off this like. the point of this too much that. There's a, uh, it's a $15,000 piece of equipment that became available when Spooner closed, Spooner Cross Country closed last year. And to this point, about 11000 has been raised to purchase that. And so um, Rob Weston is being very um, <coughs> diligent in going to a lot of funding sources to potentially find some additional money to get right. this piece of equipment. And we just haven't heard back yet as to the answers yeah. to the questions. Because we, we have to make sure, similar to what we just did with Tahoe Nordic and Search and Rescue, that the district's yeah. clear on what The similarity to, the, to that and this is that it, neither one are taking off as a profit-oriented uh, right. endeavor. They're nonprofit things to provide additional recreational services to the people and visitors of the area. Right. And, that, and that one's 100% free to the public, correct? I don't know. At Sugar Pine, I don't know if there's a fee. I think there's a yeah. fee for parking. Park. You pay parking fee when you go into the park, park and then that would allow you to use yeah. the trails. Okay. But to bring it back to this golf course operation. Right. No, I, I was curious about that just to kind of draw some parallels in my own mind as to this joint venture versus that program. 
Well, the disadvantage they have <clears throat> on the West Shore is they don't have the Nordic Center yeah. down there. <clears throat> so they've got years of experience up here. Right. Them. Right. <laughs> so to ask, should we give them an opportunity? If you don't have any questions, any more questions, let's give no. them an opportunity to address them. Too. I have one other, if I could. Mm -hmm. Have you given any, or did it come up on using the the tennis courts as an ice rink in this operation? Which tennis courts? Over at, at uh, behind the school. They don't exist anymore at the parking lot now. The school built a parking lot there um, three, four years ago okay. and took out those tennis courts. But no, there's been but the, no well, then, then let's talk about the parking, converting it to a Yes, Lou. Um, we many people in the public have That's contacted. That's what I wanted to know. Is it's being right. Considered. Okay. Yes, yeah. it has been considered, and we can be working on that ne during next okay, uh, next season. Uh, there are some permitting issues with use of the changing any new uses on the golf course that would impact coverage and other things until we address and come into compliance with BMPs for the property. Um, so there's some additional work, as you know, in your 2013 budget that you're about to approve. You've got significant dollars to paving that back parking lot and addressing BMPs. So then we very well, once it's paved, can uh, look at a program that would allow temporary or full-time use of some sort of facility that would encourage ice skating. There was discussion on that the other morning at Parks and Rec as well. Full size, part smaller. Olympic size. Olympic size. Okay. Um, what? Kevin, did you want to address this? No? Yes? <laughs> um, well, as you know, we, we run the, the Cross Country Center up at the Highlands Community Center. And uh, I'm speaking with Bob and Cindy about. Um, jumping in on this in, a, in another partnership to try for um, enhancing recreation on the, the golf course property. We think it's a great idea. Um, we've always thought that ultimately a, an ice rink sledding Nordic trail potential use for um, in the evenings, you know, a, a, a recreation asset right in the center of town is a great idea. It serves the residents and the community. So um, we decided we spoke with our board and, and got support for um, jumping into this pilot program with the PUD. And, um, originally, as, as Bob said, we we put together a, a budget for our operation um, based on the facility. Unlike the, the cross-country center that we operate now, the facility would be provided um, for us at no cost to enter this pilot program. And, to see what we could do with, with five days, four days. We, we went down to um, our last budget of three days, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then jumping back to um, four days to coincide with the Duncan Golf's uh, food and beverage operation, which we do think the two complement each other and, and can increase the chances of success having all those amenities in one place. So um, we're in support of that. Um, Budget-wise, you know, we were not looking to, to make this a big profitable venture. We're, we're interested in partnering and creating this asset, increasing the exposure of um, cross-country skiing, which is our mission as a nonprofit, and um, 
providing free and, and discounted programs has been our operating sort of MO, and it has resulted in great exposure to the sport, increasing kids' participation, adult participation, and um, that approach has worked well for us. So I, I think that model is great for right in the center of town. Um, we aren't necessarily in a position to, to take a big loss, but at the same time, we're, we're willing to take this risk, what we have agreed upon, um, if this was to go through, that we would revisit you know, we would commit to operating from snow permitting December 22nd through January 7th, seven days a week, um, as a daily operation with, with the restaurant bar being open and then obviously be in, in pretty consistent dialogue with the district about how things are going. And then um, our idea was that we would then, when you enter that season after the holidays that we would revisit it again just after Martin Luther King weekend, which is two weekends away from that. And then um, we think that in good snow conditions, that would give us a pretty good feel for how things are going. We understand that um, there is a certain amount of commitment in the pilot program, but we also you know, are trying to create these, this um, you know, minimize any detriment to our current operation. We, we know that if this is open, that we will be open just because of snow levels. Uh, we're getting a sense of, you know, we've been looking for the past week and a half about the um, kind of melting pattern and just kind of taking a look at, at um, potential and what we see there in terms of the sledding hill, <coughs> Nordic trail system. Um, obviously much smaller than what we have up there, but it's right in the center of town. There's potential for events we've already spoken with um, the Cobblestone and TCBA about potential for winter events. Um, attraction to downtown, and again, um, increasing the exposure of, of, of Nordic sports and um, ultimately benefiting everyone. So um, that's how we see approaching it. Um, so if, if you have any questions. And I, and I forgot, Kevin, that you did come in, and I know it's hard for the public to see. We have a couple maps up that show kind of what you're thinking about as far as the loops. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Just kind of show what your plan is for the layout. Yeah. Just kind of point out where. Is that our yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's fine. Well, maybe maybe over there if they want to turn. We can. Yeah. We can see yeah, that. Just don't hit Lou in the eye. <laughs> just push the button on the. Okay. Um, so this is the property here, and um, this is the clubhouse. Here, so what we would what we had envisioned was because um, it's common, and, and we we anticipated this property being a fair amount of um, walkers, a fair amount of mixed use, and we want to accommodate that. So um, what we picture is if this being the property, that we would have a walking loop that would be signed and encourage. Um, one thing in Nordic skiing that you try to avoid is people walking all over your freshly groomed trails. So you don't need a 12-foot-wide you know, groomed trail to go out there and hike. So what we imagine is kind of a lower-cost packed trail around the edge of the property. That's a great place to walk. There's views. We, you know, we're already looking at places where you can take great photos and have a perimeter walking path. This is the school that um, has 
approximately, I think, two class sizes worth of, of ski equipment that they can ski out on Connor Field. They will also have access to the groomed ski trails. So we have the walking perimeter, and then parallel to that would be the main ski trail. And there's, there's room, note, I, I did have some dotted lines up here in, in snow permitting, there's room to add certain features and, and terrain um, changes, but basically it's a perimeter with a, a, uh, some additional trails to add a little variety, and um, this does avoid any of the greens, which is a priority for, um, for the golf course to keep that in shape for the spring. And um, so you would have a ski perimeter, we, we GPS this, it roughly turns into a little, le it's a little less than, between two and two and a half kilometers, but a great chance for people to get a feel for, um, for the sport. And you know, as you can see, we're right next to town. So there's, um, there's potential on the off days. We've spoken just briefly with um, one shop, Alpenglow Sports, which sits right in front of the course to maybe provide rentals when we were not in operation. But um, in those off days, providing some grooming, um, we do think is important because one, it would be a, a service to the community and resident, or visitors, but also um, consistent grooming maintains a, a better surface and it actually just gives a better impression of the sport. So um, we think that even in the off days where we're technically closed and the sledding operation would be closed, that there would be some maintenance of that trail to um, one, for safety, and two, for just a general impression of the quality of, of what we're providing seven days a week. So, um, that's a rough idea, and uh, again, the, the school um, in the past, Maddie Daniels has provided some grooming on the Connor Field for the kids to ski. Um, that would be a continued activity. Typically, it's based on requests from the school when they have days to plan to ski, and, but they would also have access to the, um, the trail system. Similar to Tile Cross Country, where the schools come up, we provide them equipment and skiing facility access at no charge. So that kind of models our current nonprofit sort of offering children exposure to sport. Thank you. TJ, did you want to address the board? Uh, I will. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we would prefer that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. Uh, first and foremost, it's been an honor to run the golf course up here this season. Uh, we look forward to the next four years. But with that said, we are Duncan Golf Management. And um, the pictures is green. That's when we're at our strength operation. Um, I want to just briefly, and we've had numerous conversations with Bob and Cindy, in our philosophy of food and beverage. With, in regards to golf. We, we try to break even in our operations and most times do not. Um, and that's where we are optimistically hesitant in the winter operations with food and beverage. Um, we use food and beverage at our other facilities to encourage golf. So we're not large margin restaurant operators. But we are very flexible, very open, and believe this is the first pilot opportunity to get into year-round operations at Tahoe City. So we are very open. Our board is uh, very small. <laughs> <laughs> Meets every Tuesday at a dining room table at Tom Duncan's house, and uh, everybody is, is 
way on board for trying to give this a go. So we are optimistic. Thank you. And that's about the stretch we can do. We just don't know. When we got into the golf course, we didn't have a lot of background or financial information in the golf course. So we went off our expertise to forecast and operate. We've had a great year. We've been very successful. We look forward to next year having a full year of advertising. Um, the winter operations, we saw a serious decline in revenue in our restaurant in September or October. And um, hopefully that comes back with the winter operations. And it'll be, time will tell. And if everyone's flexible and we have that written in the lease going forward, that if it's working, great, wonderful. If it's not, we have to ex exercise options at that point. Um, we want to be good stewards in the community and support whatever you all would like to do for winter operations. So we're open. Any questions of the operator? Anything from the public before we bring it back to the board? I, Any, go ahead. I have a, a, just a comment about the whole thing here too, that um, what you're pointing out, and you mentioned it when you said getting going for the full year next year with a full year of marketing, that that's gonna be key in this, is that we do market this. And, and I know the Top City Downtown Association is gonna uh, participate in making this more well-known, the Chamber of Commerce is going to do it. I talked with West Shore Sports last night as one, and he, he thinks that this is a great thing to get going, and he's going to promote it to the extent he can. And, and I think that's just going to be key to this whole thing, which then can lead to a greater opportunity for a year-round uh, food service there, mm -hmm. too, for you guys, which would be great for this town to, to get back, as we heard the other day, to a point where that, like it used to happen, so uh, I, I think that's going to be key for all of us to uh, join in from the community here to marketing this uh, facility, this endeavor here. And it will be successful with that if that happens. Thank you. So any more uh, comment from the public on this topic before I bring it back to the board? Steve? Yeah, Please. Uh, Steve Botasi, Downtown Association. Um, we're in extremely strong support of this. I'm sort of sitting here grinning. Uh, the idea of our being able to take advantage of this tremendous asset we bought. I've been talking to Kevin Valley for a while about how we can uh, advance the cost across country here uh, locally and increase recreation communities. I've been stepping into our community, and uh, I'm just giggling uh, about how we can promote this out to our visitor and resident communities. As you said, Then I'll bring it back to the board. And Park and Rec heard this. Yeah, we we spent a lot of time discussing this item. Um, you know, the benefits of basically a winter sports park in in Tahoe City, and 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 then the, the complications that come along with effectively getting into a joint venture with uh, a for-profit and a not and a non-profit enterprise. And I think the the model that we're working towards, we're heading towards right now, makes a lot of sense. Where a combination of the district, Tahoe Cross Country, and Duncan are putting resources forward to hopefully develop a successful you know winter sports area here in Tahoe City. 
uh, we're both, we both have some risk in that endeavor, uh, but we would both share in the, um, in the upside. You know, so if, you know, if there is positive re revenue uh, thrown off by this, which I'd, I'd be surprised if there were in the first year, because, um, you know, what I've, what I understand is typically it's, you know, when you open a new business, you lose money the first three years and you're hoping to make money in years four and five and, uh, and going forward. So that's what my expectation is. But the model we've got right now would uh, basically have a profit sharing if, if we get to that point on the property where the district would, would share in half of the, uh, half of the profit as would the, the, the two vendors, which um, it's kind of a new business model mm -hmm. for us that we haven't explored before. But it's one that I like, and um, I think as long as we have enough off-ramps built into our agreements so that the combination of Duncan Golf, Tahoe Cross Country, and the PUD, uh, if, if this isn't successful, we've got some off-ramps to, uh, you know, terminate the agreement or, or scale the, rescale the operation so that it is um, not, not too much of a, co a cost drain, then I, I'm fully in support of this. So staff is asking for a motion to approve um, a budget up to forty thousand dollars for this project. And okay, is there a second? A, a second, and I, I've got a question because there there's there will be some agreements that we'll be developing. Uh, is the there's probably two options. One would be for us to give staff authorization to develop those agreements and approve them administratively based on the direction they've heard from the board. The other option would be for those agreements to need to come back to the board at some point in time, which could create some timing issues. Uh, you know, I'm comfortable with the dialogue that, that we've had with, with staff and with the quality of the, the partners we're working with to delegate that, that authority to staff administratively once we approve the budget. So yeah, I, I agree with that in that we've been in on the conversations enough that we can see what those agreements are going to be, mm -hmm. basically, mm -hmm. and uh, staff understands. So, so and I think they were discussed at great, in great detail at the committee level. Right. So what I'd like to do is offer a friendly amendment that we approve the budget and also authorize staff to execute the necessary agreements to uh, move this forward. Director Lincoln? Yes, sir. Okay with me. Okay, great. Okay, good. Motion on the floor to approve up to $40,000 and direct staff to move forward with the agreements. Mm -hmm. All in favor? Aye. Yes. Any opposed? Any abstentions? Motion carries unanimously. Yay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Now get out there and do a snow dance. <laughs> get this moving. Thank you, Tommy. Why don't we? Have, we could have a snow dance fundraiser, but we better hurry. We're, we're talking about a snow dance fundraiser. Mm -hmm. I hope um, that we are. So we're going to. <laughs> oh joy! We're going to move on to the the budget. Yes. Get twenty-three feet of snow again. Mm -hmm. Careful what you wish for. That would come all the way up to my thigh. Yeah. Um. The budget, Ramona. The budget. Thank you. So. On November 5th, we had a detailed budget workshop, I believe that almost went four hours. So we thoroughly vetted the budget numbers. What we brought back today is two, 
two net change sheets, one with alternative A and one with alternative B. And you'll find that net change sheet on E1-2 for alternative A, and that's the first item, if I may, just talk about those few items that changed from when we met on the 5th to today. your book. And actually, the update is on the tablet. <laughs> E1. How about that? Yeah. E1. E1-2. And that's alternative A. There's a few net changes that we made here from the last time you saw the budget. Um, the first one, the first change we didn't make is that this one still does reflect the, the sewer rates at 9%, so there's not a net change here for that. But some littler changes, if I may, you'll see that first one for 356 You'll see it goes in and out under recreation. That is just about some truing up of numbers that, that get pushed through. The next line item, you see that the budget adjusted by $3,100 for property tax. It actually went up the amount available for capital and reserves. So you're on E12? E1-2. Okay. Yes. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I'm okay. Just but she's going down her memo on I'm go one. Yeah, I'm going down oh, memo okay. one, but I'm... how it... You thank see you. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Memo. Yeah, I just... I, I wanted to direct your attention to the actual chart itself. Okay. Thank you. Is everyone... Okay. So you, I'll just go back to the top. So the 356 was just a um, chewing up of numbers. Mm -hmm. The $3,100 change, 3137 to property tax increase has to do with the 3% rate changes that we made and some of the revenue numbers in the parks and recreation budget. When we brought the budget at yeah. the workshop, we had not adjusted park facility rental rates, and so we're proposing to yeah. raise those 3%. So actually what it is is now they're using less property tax, so that jumps that number up. As you go down to the bottom of the page, you'll see that there's a change of $10,000 in capital. That capital purchase stems from our discussion about electrical inspections, and so we're proposing that we get a, what's it called, a thermal industrial imaging camera to address, to address those. What, what, what is that? It detects the hot spots, like in the panels that Kevin was looking at there on the, on the generator. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm that uh, if you have a loose connection, it will show up as a hot spot on the thermal imaging. General, preventative maintenance, is a preventative maintenance tool is used in electrical and industrial controls to annually you go through and you inspect all your panels and everything for hot spots to see if you got loose connections or a failing breaker or something like that or a circuit that's overloaded can be detected. So would that, be, that piece of equipment be built into our ongoing You'll also see at the bottom of that page, you see the reserve numbers don't change, but the ins and outs, as we, had, as we said we would do, we adjusted for the piece that pertains to the vehicles for both water, sewer, and parks. So we made those adjustments yes. to the reserves after Tony and Ramona were able to do a little more detailed analysis mm -hmm. of the vehicles in each department's reserve category and mm -hmm. where the money should be deposited. 
So that's alternative A. If you were to switch the page, alternative B, the only change to that is at the very top. And that has to deal with you're only proposing an alternative B, sewer rates increasing 5%. I think it's at the bottom of our first page. Yes, it talks about that there. And then the third page in from that shows the impact on the net change schedule. One back. Oh, you got it there? No, this one here, Dan. That one. So what that schedule does, it takes you from November 5th to today's date with these changes. And you can see how it impacts the overall budget. And then I have two charts on that proposal as well. If you want on E1-4. And I put it up on the board. This is the alternative showing what happens between the 5% rate increase for sewer and the 9%. And those were the two alternatives we had direction on. And again, let me reiterate, because we do have the paper here today, thank you, that these are rolled back rates. So your fully implemented water rates and sewer rates would be much higher than they are today. But we've adopted, the board has been rolling those back to a lower number based on the current economy and our needs. And so in both of these, when I say a 5% increase or a 9% increase, you're still rolling back to that level of increase versus fully implementing what is there. And that's what this chart will show. And just so I'm clear on that, we basically set a five-year rate program four years ago. Yeah, in 2009. That established higher rates for this year. And what we're talking about now is how much to reduce those rates from what were established four years ago. Right, right. So in the first column of this chart, 2012, you'll see our actual numbers for revenue for sewer. And that's about $3.5 million. And then across those columns, if you stayed at the 9%, rolling back the rates to 9% increases, you'll see the revenue project across that line. On the next line down, I've taken that same 3.5 from above and factored through a 5% rate increase in 2013, but then trying to make up the difference in the following years at 10%. And it takes a 10% increase to get you to about the same point. You'll see our projected expenses. We know our actuals in 2012 and our budget for 2013. And in 2014 through 2016 on that third line, I've projected escalation factors of 4.5%. Obviously, those are just projections. We do a zero-based budget every year. But for purposes of long-term planning, you need to make some assumptions. And so then you'll below that see the net of your revenue minus your expense at the first line of 9% increases or your net using the formula of 5% in 2013 and 10% in the three outstanding years. So you get to approximately, you get to the 1.8 million in 2016 in both scenarios. But the difference between using the 9% and the 5% results in about a $400,000 reduction in revenue. You get there eventually, but you do it at a slower rate because of that first year. And 
everything accumulates on that savings you're giving in that first year. Um, so that that's the net reduction over those years. Ramona showed you what it is for this year, which is mm -hmm. 100 and, yeah. right. so, 100, 100, yeah. Yeah, 107,000, Right? Almost 108,000. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, the, the cumulative over those years is 395,000. Right. Um, I may put you on the spot, but the, the approved rates for this year, uh, what I'm curious about is what, the, what that number is and how much of a reduction. It's, we're proposing. It's a little over 30, at 9%, it's no, 30. you mean the established approved. Right, established 218. It would have been a 38% yeah. yeah. increase last year yeah. but, and an 18% yeah, this but, year. Do we know what, I'm, I don't have the, I know we know the information, but I don't have it at my fingertips in terms of what that rate, the rate that we approved already for this year is some amount of dollars mm -hmm. per month for sewer service. Mm -hmm. What what's that dollar amount? It's a sixteen. Uh, is that it? Sixteen dollar and eighteen cent increase over the current thirty one seventy five. Oh, oh yeah. She has a chart right here. Yeah. Um, I want to. That's it's a so good question. That, does that, that answer your question? question? If we were at yeah. the rate that's prop two eighteen suggested, we'd be at the far right column, mm -hmm. fifty one percent higher than where we are today. And so our so our monthly our we rolled it back each of those years. Right. So our approved monthly sewer rates today are basically forty eight dollars a month. And today what, we're at thirty one. No, 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 no. But our our oh, okay. the, the rates that we put in place five years ago yes. called for the rate this year to be forty eight dollars approximately per month. Right. And now what we're talking about is lowering that to between 31 and or between 33 and 34 dollars to 233 to 34 dollars per month. Correct. So it's it's a lowering from what we previously approved, even though it's an increase from what we all paid last year. Right. That's correct. So okay. And. With that, I wanted to make sure you understood the cumulative impact. So on the bottom of that previous chart, I've shown that your, redu your reduction is about 400000 over the these, um, extending this out to 2016. Mm -hmm. That's just for the changes you're making today, but you've already made reductions that have reduced revenue, and the cumulative total of that will be about $1.3 million. Right. So, 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 so you're going to be behind the HDR schedule on your approved rates by about 1.3 million. Uh, right. If so, you go to the nine percent, and then you, if you go to five percent, you'll add another 400,000 onto that. How number. do you? How are you going to achieve? What's the impact to the capital schedule? Well, I'll look to Matt and Tony. It's going to be potentially a slowing of capital as we get to it. You know? Right. Yeah, so I, I think looked at that completely. Yeah, that's the key. In the short is, term, it probably yeah. wouldn't have yeah. any impact to this year's projects and even the next year's projects. But in the longer run, uh, we're not mm -hmm. building up enough money for the anticipated 
especially in the pump stations, some of the work that we're anticipating. And some of these potential sewer line relocations along the lake shore that are going to be extremely expensive, Correct. those kinds of projects. Yes. Right. So at some point in the future, you would be less have less cash on hand to do those projects mm -hmm. and would look. Right. You may not stop the project because you could borrow, but you'd be in a position of paying interest on borrowing versus having the cash in the reserves ready to pay for the project. So, right. you know, the whole model is built on only 50% of the money coming from rates, the other 50% coming from property tax revenues. Uh, and HDR did build in, even at that rate, if you don't do it 100%, you're going to have times where you're borrowing money over the years for some of the larger projects. But, uh, didn't, didn't the model also uh, include when we needed to build these things, when they would need to be replaced? Yes, and the but that model... I'm sorry. That model every year we analyze that in the capital budget presentation. And have we, have we continued to find that um, those things now are not getting done at a because they we don't have the cash, or they're not getting done because they aren't don't have to get done this year. Are we able to extend the need for replacement too? We, or, are, we are completing all the critical projects. There is no health and safety risk for the projects we're not completing at this point in time, and I want to make that very clear. Except for the stuff the Dollar Hill. That's not no, a critical that's health and the, safety that's not project yeah. in our estimation. I know there's differing views on the board, but staff does not believe that that's a critical health and safety right. issue uh, in the condition it's in by the other preventative maintenance yeah. management tools we've been using. I, I guess what, I, what, I, what I'm heading for, and I think you're saying it, uh, definitely we're not endangering anything, but are we finding that the, the, the infrastructure we have is lasting longer than the this will last 50 years and does it last longer than that are we finding that in having to do something like this it we're and we're putting then putting off or extending out the ability to do capital projects that those capital projects can be done two years later uh, without you know, because well, everything's done on an estimate, you know, on a... a, a yeah, so when we, did the, when we did the rate study, especially on the sewer side, if you remember, we, we fell back to essentially what was the asset value, right. what was the age of the asset, what was half of the annualized replacement value to set a target to generate that amount of money available each year to invest in the system. Your question is very difficult to answer in the short term. Uh, and uh, to be honest with you, you know, we don't know the answer on the broader collection system. We know on the pump stations and on the older uh, sewer system in Tahoe City that they are becoming critical. Or okay. we are expecting, okay. when we investigate certainly the pump stations, to find some critical needs in there. Uh, we don't see them immediately. Um, so, and, and we had this discussion when we went through that asset yeah. valuation. It's, it's really hard to, you know, I mean, you can say that a pipe is going to last 40 years, but it could last 80, as well as it could last yeah. 25. Okay, and I just, I thought maybe as years went by, we had a better yeah. assessment of some of the things that were coming up to be due, and by God, they haven't deteriorated like they should have. I think we have an idea for, uh, on pipe, for instance, in Tahoe City. But I think as we do that project, we'll be much better educated on 
the age and what it looks like and be able to sort of apply well, that forward. What I'm trying to get into my own head is that as far as these rates, that I'm, I can very well support the, the, the 5% mm -hmm. as long as it's not saying that in three years we're going to have to do the 30% to get where we need to, originally said we need to be there. Um, if that was going to occur, um, I'm going with the 9% because we can't go have that. Oops, we got to go up. You are, or borrow money. Yeah. 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 So I know that's the tough one to answer. And if, the, if there's a potential of that needing to be there in the shorter period of time rather than this extended period of time, then I think we have to go with the, the uh, higher to begin with. Well, I. I mean, I think from from staff's perspective uh, that we we don't have any critical issues that we're not addressing. We are doing an extraordinary job in preventative maintenance and protection of the environment and public health and safety. Um, we are moving forward on the capital project list that we see and deem as the most critical projects in a timely manner that we feel comfortable with. I mean, Yes, I pushed them to the limit, and they let me know that. Um, but that is why we are doing as well as we're doing. Um, the cost of construction since 2008, really most of the work on that yeah. capital component was done in 2007 and 2008 planning. Obviously, our cost of construction have changed. They were on an escalation curve mm -hmm. like that, and things have changed. Our operating costs have stayed well below the projections. And that's why we've been able to continue to save taxpayer money uh, in reducing and rolling back these rates to be sensitive to, we're ahead. We, up until this year, we've been ahead of schedule on those things. Um, you know, the questions you asked, Ron, are really a philosophical issue. For many, many years, this board didn't raise rates with a, um, in mind of both operations, covering operations, and investing in the capital infrastructure. Now we've been doing that. Every year we become better at it, we understand better what our facilities look like. But that's not to say tomorrow we don't find a new critical need. Well, it could be Line break. Yeah. Sure. We, we've had numerous situations yeah. down in McKinney Quail this in the last two years. We have leaks and you know water issues in, in um, some of the condominiums that we've been fighting and fighting, and now we're proposing projects to resolve those. Um, but again, that's the nature of our industry and our business. And below ground infrastructure is very challenging mm -hmm. to to uh, make those assessments. Tony, yeah. feel free to chime yeah. in. No, I, you know, kind of to cover what Matt said too. The other thing is, we've been spending a lot of money in water because of the fire grants that we've gotten. So a lot of emphasis went to getting those projects in the ground. Um, so I want to, you know, what Matt said is that. As we get some more projects in the sewer side in the ground, Taos City, we're really going to start learning a lot about the infrastructure. And the big difference between the water and the sewer system is, is that the sewer system was all built at the same time. Um, and we can talk about 40, 50 year life cycles. But fortunately, those life cycles are all going to hit at the same time for the entire sewer system uh, because it was built, you know, at roughly, you know, within a span of about five years. Um, we're starting in Taos City because it is about 10 years older than the rest of the system, 10 to 15 years older than the rest of the system, and that's where the needs are. We will learn 
I think, quite a bit about um, the system when we get through those projects, as well as the technology and the, and the costs associated with those technologies to renew that infrastructure. So, um, so, but it is a real tough question to answer what you're asking. But, but from my, from my perspective, uh, and I have a different perspective than Ron on this, you know, we put a lot of time and effort into establishing a rate revenue target for sewer and for water that we needed to reach so that we would have a long-term financially sustainable <clears throat> utility model here. And I haven't seen anything that changes my mind that we should be shooting for a lower revenue target. Uh, what we've done uh, through a great job by staff is, is to hold the line on operating costs which has allowed us to not need to raise rates as quickly to work towards that revenue target. But, you know, I think we've cut that to the bone. I don't think we can expect that staff is going to pull another couple hundred thousand dollars out of operations next year um, to spin off additional capital towards uh, us getting to that revenue target. Now, what we did last year, which I was not comfortable with, but I went along with it, um, was we said, okay, instead of getting to that revenue target over five years, let's stretch that out over 10 in terms of getting to that ultimate revenue target. Now what we're talking about is, okay, let's stretch it out to 15 or let's stretch it out to 20. And I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be, I, I, I'm nervous about that. I understand that. So, you know, I think we should stick with the plan that we came up with last year, which is still a plan that reduces the rate $13, $14 a month from what, what it was. from what we adopted four years ago. And I think we should stay the course towards getting to that revenue target in a reasonable time frame. The sooner we get there, the sooner we can, we can stabilize these rate adjustments so that they're, they're tracking cost of living instead of um, in, instead of creating this appearance that they're, that they're uh, you know, that it's, it's 10, 15, 20 percent every year, so which, which it is, but it's a whole lot less than we thought it was going to need to be. So, you know, I, I think we need to stick with the $34.59 a month sewer rate, you know, that we, that, that was proposed to us in our plan that we basically provided direction on, you know, last year at this time. Mm -hmm. So, so that, that's where I'm at on it. And I, and I think the uh, important point I wanted to also point out is this: the, the difference is really about a dollar thirty a month, mm -hmm. and that goes to some of the comments you made during the budget workshop on as well as, um, you know, while we talk about a nine percent and people hear that and say, you know, how much that is, when you look at a dollar thirty a month per customer and then recognize what that generates and then the cumulative impact over the next three years of another four hundred thousand dollars to start major infrastructure replacement, um, you know, I, right. I, you know I, I think you have to look at the relative pain factor of the customer. I know it's a tough economy, um, and there's people that do have issues. We look at 7,500 customers, that does start to generate some real investment in our infrastructure. So right. that's always, I think, the challenge for us. We hear, don't raise our rates. Um, I don't think I don't, there's not many people who raise their hand ever to say raise our rates, um, but we're well ahead of schedule 
and um, doing, we haven't raised the rates as much as we could have and said we would, um, which I think people aren't used to government doing that. And we've been able to do that. We've been able to roll them back and keep up with the, um, the rate study. And it really wasn't, we only went out to 2016 and we got to the goal. So three years additional is really what we extended it out to, to reach the same revenue per year. It would take much longer to recoup the revenue you lost because you didn't go to those rates. But I think in light of the current economy, um, it's been a very practical, rational manner in which we've approached this. And uh, it's important, again, to look at that versus the dollar thirty a month. So the other side, I'm sorry. Oh. The other side of that coin, though, is that as far as impact to the customer, and we're all customers, um, is that the water rates aren't going up except the base rates not going up but consumption would be, right? Yes. And, go back to that. Right. And I, and I think on the, the, the other thing I look at on the capital side, be, because this is a very, you know, you, know with it, you can't really look at sewer capital in a five-year window, in my opinion, when it comes to rate setting. You've you got to look at it in almost like a 50-year window. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think back to the um, the – the pump station at Grove Street. We borrowed four million dollars to build that pump station um, because we didn't we hadn't built a reserve that we could have that would have allowed us to pay for it in cash. Uh, I don't know what that next issue is going to mm -hmm. be for the district, whether it's a major pump station rehab or or a major sewer line uh, defect that we find, you know, like the one we found across the the, the Truckee River line crossing the river, but I want to make sure that, you know, we're, we've put ourselves in a financial position to deal with that and not create a, either a shock to the system or to hurt, to hurt ourselves in the long run where, uh, crap, now we've got to go borrow money, so we're paying interest, which then in the future is reducing our capacity to do other things in the district. So, uh, so anyway, that's, that's the reason I'm... Pushing away. Well, as I, as I started this out, the 9% the was acceptable if I felt comfortable from what is being said that we were going to need that sooner, be that five years, six years, or whatever, than later. Um, and uh, uh, the other point that Cindy was going to, that just made that I've said, and I've said this throughout the years, <coughs> that uh, talking percentages has always bothered me instead of talking the reality of how much this isn't. Mm -hmm. the, the one point I would like to make, again, that came up here, that when you said, and nothing's changed since that, I think our economic, overall economic condition has changed. And it has gone on longer than probably anybody thought, other than real wise guys that had been saying this was coming for 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, and that I, I do think we have to keep that in mind when, when we're looking at when do we realistically have to, or probably have to do some of this stuff. And um, uh, as, as uh, Matt and Tony have both said, and you make a strong case for too, that we don't really know that, it's hard to do that, that we could need this money sooner or have it in place sooner because at some point we're going to need to have more money than uh, a reduction to only having a 5% increase uh, would get us to. So um, 
you know, I'm going back and forth in this as far as my points, but um, with their with their comments of we're going to need it, um, we're going to need to have it for for when we have because we have a lot to do at some point, mm -hmm. and I do not want to see a uh, a thirty percent jump in rate or even have to go back to where we said we should be, you know, next year. Right. The, and addressing Judy's comment for just a moment, I, I wanted to put back up the water chart and remind you the way you see that we've suggested you tier the rates and get garner the water rates, if you combine the increase for the average customer and water and the customer and sewer, we're talking about $2.15 more per month for their water and sewer rates. If they stay within that first tier primarily or use their the average water consumption. So uh, again, it's I think everything in the water is based on consumption and people can control their water use at we've given very reasonable amounts that they can use to sustain their family and minor outdoor landscaping. And so the cumulative impact is of two dollars and fifteen cents. A month, if they're both our water and sewer customer, right? For a resident, a single-family resident. Sorry, I need to keep. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I've spent a lot of time talking. I haven't. What are, you, what are your thoughts, Lou? Well, you know, if we have to go out for a loan, we're going to double the cost of the project to the cost of the taxpayer. It makes sense to be, like you said, to be continue to build our reserves on a steady process. I'm a little concerned about the 51 percent here. Glad we're not doing that. But uh, we have to continue with the annual adjustments. I would stick up with building the reserves so you can have it. So I think the. Recommendation is that we approve Alternative A mm -hmm. of the draft 2013 budget, which would, which is the the rate that was uh, presented to us at the uh, at the workshop. So I would I would make that motion. I second the motion. Is there any more discussion? Uh, I just have just one that's mm -hmm. a little unrelated that. When we were having the uh, the budget meeting, um, Director Hendrickson, um, you know, had a concern about the level of rate increase too, but didn't. That was the extent of what he made, and and um, I, I know he said he couldn't make this meeting, but I thought we were going to move this meeting to a time when he said he could make it, yeah. because I thought his input as a, you know director is really important. Is as to what and did he give any direction or so, I mean he's we, we actually um, I had asked staff to reschedule to schedule a special meeting to adopt a budget um, based on dates <clears throat> that director Henriksen had given me that he would be available and then I believe he was not available on those dates after all so we decided to move ahead he didn't give any comment um, that I'm aware of other than he didn't make any, so we didn't have any idea of what he Of what recommendations he, he would have made to come up with a budget that he could have supported. I did not speak with him. Another staff member did. I think in that discussion he said um, he wouldn't vote for a budget with rate increases, I believe is, 
he okay. wouldn't vote for that anyway. And I think that's been consistent with his votes on the previous budget, so I don't think that's anything. Okay, well then we, but, we need to move ahead. Right, I just no, was, but just if he said he wouldn't vote for a budget, what wouldn't he vote for right. in the budget? Well, I think it was about the rate increases, <laughs> and I think that's been consistent. Um, I think he's been consistent on that since 2009. Because if we didn't have any rate increases or rate right. increases within our reduction of them, there'd be things we couldn't do. Right. And I wondered if you... But just to be clear, I did... Yeah, I wonder what those were. <laughs> we did try to change the date so that he could be here. Okay. We did try to change the date to accommodate him so that we could get those comments. Yeah, okay. Um, and I think he said that the night of the workshop, he couldn't approve a budget with rate increases. Uh, I didn't hear that that I night. didn't. I just heard okay. uh, I believe he made some okay. comments like that. So Mine was more not what he was doing, but just if he had given right. any comments no, no, as to where to make, make changes in the budget before we approved it. Okay. No. Okay. I'm not aware of anything else. Okay. Okay, so we have a motion and a second on the floor. Any more discussion on it? Come on, I'll call for the vote. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Any abstentions? Motion carries the budget's adopted. Thank you very much. Um, I'm very proud, I said before, I'm very proud of a staff that puts together a budget that holds the line on operating costs so tightly. And that doesn't just come from the general manager and the directors sitting here at the table, the department managers. It really comes from every single line staff member trying to save money for the taxpayers and um, and looking for ways to do their job as efficiently and effectively as as, uh, as they can uh, throughout the district. And so I think what we've come up with is a budget that you can be very proud of, I feel is very defensible uh, to the community that we're actually increasing services again at a reduced cost. You just voted for more increased service to the community in a new venture uh, at less cost to the taxpayers. Mm -hmm. So I, I really want to commend the board, but really thank our operating staff and department managers for being able to bring this to you. Well, if we didn't agree with that, Cindy, with what you're saying and the way that this this district is operating, we wouldn't be approving these things. We can kick it around, discuss it, see what other opportunities are. But I don't think um, any of us, at least that are here, I can't speak for those that aren't, but uh, feel that you're, you as a staff are not doing all you can to be as efficient as you can be for the people that we represent. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay. Moving on. Consent calendar. We've already done item uh, four. Anything else to be pulled? I, I have. I would like to pull. What is, it, is that the discussion where you're? Is it the utilities where you're discussing the uh, state, the uh, regional lake intake processing station? Oh, the West, the West. No, our RFP for the West Shore. Yeah. Treatment plant. Was that in here? Sewer and Water Committee agenda. Was <coughs> oh, that one of the agenda? Or the district engineer. No, you were discussing, uh, and Matt was presenting uh, some kind of thing at the, the Sewer and Water Committee. Yeah. Right. Is that that? Uh, it might be in my report, or it could be in the Sewer and Water Committee meeting minutes. Uh, no, it would be no. in your report. That's the minutes aren't that. That's the later one Erickson had to leave. So we'll pull the item three. three. Okay. Three C. Three C. Which one is it? Three C. Three C. Okay. 
And then the other one is you had a reference in there to uh, at the McKinney well number one regarding JMA. Yes. I don't know which report that is. But I'd like whatever one it is, I'd like to discuss that. Director Utilities. So is that item so 3B? 3B and 3C, looks like. Yeah. Okay. Move approval of the remaining uh, items on the consent calendar. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Moving forward. Okay, item 3B. This is the, the what? The West Shore treatment plan is the yeah, item. Yes. Well, Fill us in. <laughs> What's going on? Well, 3B, I think, is first. Let's start with, if you want to start with 3B, that's the um, Homewood JMA. Yeah, because I had asked at one time. Several years ago, we did approve some kind of a rate for that use yes. of McKinney Well. Yes. And I asked us to bring it back and review it. Yes. Yes. And it's still on the calendar? It, it, it is, and uh, we resolved the uh, conflict um, waivers uh, in the last few weeks. And so it's Steve is, I think he's should be starting or has started his review of the existing agreement. Um, and once we got his comments back, then we were going to come back to the board and kind of present the state of the state with that agreement. Um, so it's in process, but it hasn't been completed to the point where we can bring it back to the board. Okay, are we going to address the level of the aquifer and what's happening in our wells at that time? Um, are that probably covering. So these are issues that we should be discussing. I thought the issue in Homewood was high iron content. In the that well. was why they weren't, we weren't using Yeah. Them. I mean, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I view those two things as separate. You know, if you kind of want a state of the state of our wells in general for, the, for all of our systems, we can do that. But the McKinney well number one aquifer is not related to any of our drinking water aquifers. Um, that we currently use. It's a separate well. Um, we had hoped it would be related to our drinking water aquifer, but it's iron iron, right? Yeah, so. yes. Um, so I would like the, the use of it for Homewood shouldn't impact any of our groundwater aquifers that we use today. We'll be bringing back that agreement um, to you with those costs. Luke. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, with respect to the, the plant, the regional plant, regional line. Yeah, I'll let me stand on that. Yeah, I'll let Matt cover that because it's. There's a good discussion. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, we, uh, last week's Sewer and Water Committee meeting, I brought a draft uh, request for proposals to hire a design consultant to get that project going again. Um, starting with uh, some alternatives analysis and sizing criteria looking at what we would need for our own system as well as regional water supply opportunities. Um, so we reviewed that uh, RFP uh, with the committee, essentially with the technical consultant selection committee, um, and based on their input, um, made a few revisions and issued it on Tuesday or Wednesday. It went out to roughly 15 consultants or so. Were you uh, were you referring to the October 11th uh, meeting minutes, Lou? Yeah. 
So that was where we had some, uh, Director Hendrickson had to leave, and I was, we had some dialogue with staff regarding you know, this question of would we be building a treatment plant if, if we owned all the wells on the West Shore, or if we had access to the wells oh, okay. on the West Shore. Is that, yeah. that's yeah. the dialogue you're yeah. referring to? And then you're talking about phasing. Of right. The, the pipeline. Yeah. yeah, right. So was there anything, I guess, specific about the discussion in those minutes that you were interested Other in? Other than just getting a I recap of it. I think it needs to be, how can I say this? I, I think your idea of phasing is a good one to control the cost. Of the water treatment plant? Yeah. Yeah, there is no doubt that our plan would be to look at our immediate needs, uh, shorter term expansion and long term expansion, and only build, and then during that design process, uh, based on costs and available funding, et cetera, um, as we go through the preliminary design report on the sizing criteria, we'll make a decision about what we want to build immediately and what expansion capacity we want to plan for. And how much that costs, and that will that will come through sewer and water committee, um, you know, yeah. as we get there. That'll be later. That'll be in the spring well, or I've summer. Well, I've had some problems recently with uh, Madden Creek. You know, I just mean the surface flows because it may influence. Uh, we're down to one person. Yeah. Yeah. It's surfacing. The water company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's way behind. We had a pump go out, 1,100 customers and, uh, go home. And uh, when was that, Lou? This week, last week. They just started operation well over a weekend. We did receive an inquiry um, from the owner of the system if we would be interested in what our policies were on acquisition. Yeah, there is. So I forwarded that information on to them. Which, which cleans out their infrastructure is in pretty sad shape. And their ability to maintain it is in pretty sad shape. So, oh, uh, yeah, we're aware of that. And, um, you know. I've reached a point here because I live down there. I'm going to have to get out of this discussion, I guess, somewhere along the line to think about buying it. But uh, in the meantime, uh, uh, it's a pretty severe problem. Yeah. And, and I don't know <coughs> what JMA's plans are. Right. Well, with relation to Tahoe Cedars, as you recall, you know, we, one of our capital projects is the Tahoe Meadows transmission pipeline. Um, and we've upsized that pipeline um, in anticipation that we may at some point need to provide a connection to Tahoe Cedars mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and provide access to the regional water treatment plant. And so, um, because that pipeline will get us about halfway to Tahoma from Bikini Quail, mm -hmm. uh, which is a it's just which is a big a big bonus. So, um, you know, we are moving towards those uh, those goals, those abilities, because they only have one well in Tahoe Cedars, and as you know, when that one pump goes out, they the whole system is. They don't have a backup source or secondary source. No, mm -hmm. they don't have lake intakes. They only have one well. They've tried to drill another, but it was high in arsenic. Hmm. Um, so, so they're under a DHS order, too, presumably, to provide redundant source. Yes. Yeah. 
And that's, you know, again, this comes back to your philosophy of really going a long run with these. Um, Tony and I have had some discussions with DPH about this project, letting them know we're moving forward on it, and encouraging them to think about it themselves on a broader view versus having each system try to meet their needs individually at a much higher cost and ultimately not a good long-term solution. Um, and so participating in the West Shore uh, Regional Treatment. West Lake Tahoe. West Lake Tahoe Regional Treatment <laughs> Plant. Did I get it right? WT Regional Water Treatment Plant. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, it is critical, and we, and we do believe there could be potential funding approaching it in this broader perspective that mm -hmm. Lou's mentioning and you're talking about. Um, right. We do know this is a challenge for these smaller water systems. And especially if you can't find the groundwater, that is, if you're going to end up treating it anyway. Treat it on, um, treat the lake water, it's more predictable. And as we've gone through those justifications with you. Mm -hmm. so. Well, most of the people down our way, are, anyhow, the water is very good. You know, and, and, but the distribution lines are really in sad shape. It's good when it's flawed. And every investment they make in redundant sources takes away from money they have to invest in the distribution system. Yeah. I mean, there's just a well, reality on financial investment that they can put into these systems. Well, you know, I don't see how JMA can go forward without having, without acquiring and rebuilding the, that system. They're not going to be able to supply water to themselves. So. So, I, I just think that we've got to, our own planning, I think we've got to reinforce our well, acquisition. We are. We're, and as I said, with every step we take, the regional nature of what's going on is becoming more and more evident well, in the decisions we make. Really critical. Absolutely. So we get, can we get a motion to approve item 3, B, and C? Second. All in favor? Yes. Aye. Moving on. Resolutions. Item I-1. So we discussed this at length at our last special board meeting, and uh, this is basically implementing the direction we provided at that time, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So this is the, the PERS airtime? So I'd, I'd move the resolution. Second. More discussion? Hearing none, all in favor? Roll call. Call. Oh, it's a resolution, I'm sorry. Director Trebus? Yes. Director Wilkins? Yes. Director Rankins? Yes. Director Friedman? Yes. <coughs> Item 2, resolution approving the application for grant funds for the Environmental Enhancement and Mitigation Program. So I'd move approval. Second. Roll call. <laughs> Director Trebus? Yes. Director Wilkins? Yes. Director Rankins? Yes. Director Friedman? Yes. We have a quick question. Did we include the rest of the consent calendar at the beginning? Before yes. we put yes. those yes. items? Yes. yes. Our legal counsel missed it. I knew it. I just wanted to make sure we get approved all the consent, not just the MC. Steve, I've got a question I should have asked you offline. Um, and it, it, I think it came up as a tangent to some election issues. The, so I, I'm the public works director for the town of Truckee. Uh, some of the grants that the PUD pursues our grants that the town would also pursue and like I just I just motioned to you know pursue an EEM grant for the district 
we as a town, you know, in my in my employment may choose to apply for that same grant out of that same pot of money. Does that create any kind of conflict of office for me? And I should have asked you before I moved the, moved the item. Or, but, and, and, and maybe that's a question for the next meeting. The town. I can give you a partial address right now and maybe give you a little bit more information. Uh, there's two issues. One is incompatibility of office. Second is um, conflict of, of duties, conflict of office. The incompatibility requires uh, that, there be, that, that one person hold two public offices. So in, clearly you hold a public office as a director of this district. It's not a public office. It, I don't down. believe your, your, your position with the town is a public office. So it's an no. employment. So the incompatibility issue is not present. With respect to a conflict of of offices, there is a statute that, that talks about, it, about incompatible activities, but it's not self-executing, which means that, um, that each agency is required to adopt um, rules or policies to implement it if it does want to implement it. So I'm not aware that this district has any policies that would prohibit some sort of incompatible activity. Uh, okay. Okay. Now, whether the town has, uh, has adopted any have to check with the town. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the gut check I've always used on these is, am I, like, voting for or against applying for a grant here because it may or may not compete against a, a project that I'm working on at the town, and it's – I never approach it that way, but someone else could – I mean, I never – I'm like, hey, if there's money out there, we've got valid projects, let's go for it, and, and then – even though we may be competing for the same money up at the town. Um, but I suppose I could be <laughs> devious in the, in, the, in the other direction, and I, I just want to make sure I'm not <clears throat> doing something inadvertently that could be viewed as a conflict. Okay. So, so we've covered two or three areas, right? Incompatibility of offices, conflicting uh, activities, and then the common law conflict, which um, – it's just developed over the years through the case law, and it talks about you know, the, the law has developed such that you want to avoid conflicts and the appearance of conflicts. Uh, the appearance of conflicts is, is a little bit more gray area, and it's much more sliding scale. My sense is that based on what you just described, your, your thought analysis of how you approach the issue is, is an appropriate means. If you ever uh, we're thinking about this. Is like, gosh, I'm, I'm really conflicted. This is a really serious lot of money for the town. We, we absolutely need it. It's a critical uh, infrastructure project. It's a it's a nice addition for the town of City Beauty. Perhaps at that point you might want to, you know, abstain and disclose why you were abstaining. Okay. But, but I don't think under the circumstances you've just described, you'd be required to refrain from either making the motion or participating in the decision you just did. Okay. Thanks. I should have looked in on that a little earlier, I suppose. We got <clears throat> Once in a while, common sense does rule. Right. <laughs> What's that? Once in a while, common sense does prevail. Yeah. Okay. Is allowed to prevail. Is allowed to prevail. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're on item three, ordinance amending um, modifying Ordinance 112 for the sewer connection fees that were just approved. Yeah. So I'd, I'd move approval. Second. Could I just 
quickly. We want to make sure you're, uh, uh, we have provided two ordinances, okay. so you're again doing alternative A. 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 Yes. Alternative A. Director Trebus? Yes. Director Wilkins? Yes. Director Rankins? Yes. Director Friedman? Yes. Okay, item four. Ordinance amending and modifying ordinance 185 for water rates. Move approval. Second. Director Trebus? Yes. Director Wilkins? Yes. Director Rankins? Yes. Director Friedman? Yes. Okay, we're on J. One, meeting calendar and committee assignments. I think this has to do with going to evening meetings in the summertime. But we just, basically, it's just to put it on, we got to do it until December. Um, but it's to see if there's going to be committee changes, which in turn might affect the calendar. Um, right now, Director Henriksen um, requested that sewer and water meet at 4 p.m. for six months out of the year. Right. Um, so as it relates to the committee, to committees, typically the, um, the board president establishes those, those assignments, and I think it'll be our next meeting when we will elect our board president That's for next correct. year, correct? That's correct. Or appoint our board president? Correct. So. so it's just to get it out there so people could look at it for next year and see. And then it was also asked if we could go to evening board for six months out of the year also. So Which we have be been doing, haven't we? This not year this year. Not. Oh, we didn't do Time it this year. <laughs> right. Um, and, and if I can speak to that, I know it was a request of one of the director, uh, Director Hendrickson, to look at those evening meetings. Um, over the years, we've tried that. Um, public comes when the – fortunately, I think, in our community, people seem to have flexible schedules to turn out when we have a meeting that piques their interest. Mm -hmm. In general, most uh, elected bodies do tend to meet – at toward the end of the day or in the evening to allow all workers or all anybody to come to a meeting. Um, maybe we've been fortunate that a lot of our uh, public that comes either have flexibility in their schedules to come or aren't working, but maybe we are missing an element that would come more if there was an item on the agenda that was spiking their interest in coming in the evening. But from staff's perspective, uh, it can work either way. I think. What I've witnessed from all of you is there's more conflicts in the evening <laughs> because you have town council, you have other meetings, um, so it's really up to you. We, we support either direction. Um, from a public response, I know some public members feel evening meetings are more accessible, even if they never access them, <laughs> but they do feel that way. So. So that request came from Director Henderson? Yes, for the, the other, evening meetings. And that's, is that to accommodate his work schedule? Yes, yes. Okay. Do you want to consider it next month? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree that there's a lot of evening conflicts, and those seem not to be regularly scheduled, where meetings come up at night, for me anyway, that I don't know from month to month. And it could, you know, and I can say, well, I just can't go to that meeting, but mm -hmm. sometimes they're not ones I can change. Uh, that the, the Friday morning has always been a good time for me personally to uh, to not have conflicts mm -hmm. of, of other things. It's very rare that that's ever happened. Um, and we certainly, in our experimentation of doing them at night, um, found that still our biggest audience was the staff that had to stay 
that uh, for the most part people don't haven't come one way or the other. And that was our intention of doing it for those several years we did it, was to offer that opportunity. And I also, when I first came on the board, we were doing evening meetings that would sometimes go rather late into the evening. And I'm, and then we did, and I didn't know what the culture was, but it, it seems that there's an additional expense to doing an evening meeting, because we're keeping, we've got overtime, we've got, there's a lot of additional expense. I don't know if that's true or not. But. There, there really isn't. I mean, all the managers work that's far true. more than 40 hours a week already. They do, are not compensated with overtime. <laughs> once in a while, hours. there might be a, once in a while, there might be a staff person. Uh, who would attend, but we were, we're flexible with their schedule then. All right. So yeah. it really isn't more of a cost. It's really okay. a, it's a matter of what's right for the public and for all of you. Okay. It's not a big deal one way or the other right. to me. I was just pointing out. And I think we've been really flexible with um, if there is a hot topic that we try to schedule the, the evening meeting uh, mm -hmm. for public comments. So yeah, the, the, one thing I would, the one thing I'll throw out is the, my regularly scheduled Thursday conflicts are not, they're now regularly scheduled Tuesday conflicts. So the second and fourth Tuesdays absolutely won't work for me for evening meetings. Everybody in town meets Wednesday or Thursday. You can count on that. Mm -hmm. So. so. So it's good so you go to Tuesdays or Tuesdays. Yeah. Fill that date. <laughs> right. Good luck Friday with that. Night. Friday nights. Just, yeah. yeah. And anything, anything other than second and fourth Tuesday will generally work. Okay. Well, we can have a full discussion next month as um, to set the calendar. Um, oh, but we, are no good if you can be thinking about it and let, and let staff know if there's uh, something you want us to uh, address for any of the committees or any of the calendar meetings. Okay. I did want to add one comment. I think Judy's idea of having an alternate was good for the committees. But we're not getting called. Well, we could. Still months to go. <laughs> but you probably have a valid point, Lou. If we're going to have alternates, there probably should be some expectation that if whoever the primary designee is, isn't going to make it that they should let the alternate take know. Care of right. yeah. 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 Okay, reports. Engineering? I have two, actually. Sorry. Um, first, uh, we I received... I didn't ask, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we received a request from the Bechtolt Investment Group, LLC, to release the um, uh, escrow that we held, uh, the monies that we held in escrow for the underground storage tank and the above ground storage tank. Uh, we're in the process of dealing with those. I know Judy received those uh, from the company. Um, so we're looking into that, uh, waiting on some response from environmental health. But it looks like certainly on the underground storage tank we should be able to release that before, the, before too long. And then on the above ground storage tank, that one may take a little bit of extra time. But they're in the works. We're so. basically waiting until we get closure letters from we the environmental health. On the underground storage tank, we have a closure letter from the state, well, from Lahan Regional Board. Uh, we are trying to confirm with environmental health whether they're going to issue us a closure, closure letter um, and whether they're deferring to Lahan. On the above ground storage tanks, it's a little more difficult that you don't, we're not really, um, Lahan doesn't have jurisdiction, and uh, that's why we're trying to work with environmental health to get something from them, confirming there's no further action. So. 
Is that it? That's it on that one. I have a question. Okay. Oh, you have more? I was going to say. I'm okay, go. Preempting you. Um, I, I, um, last Monday, I walked the uh, Homewood Trail, Homewood Bike Trail, various alignments with Director Hendrickson, just him and I, and uh, reviewed with him uh, the San Suchi alignment uh, first, walked the entire thing, and we discussed in detail um, funding issues, the CEQA issues, in particular, all the design issues uh, with the San Suchi alignment, including the tree removal and creek crossing and all the private property impacts. Um, and then we walked the proposed alignment, um, or approved alignment, let's call it, um, on the way back and uh, discussed the pros and cons of that ones as well. Um, had a pretty good discussion, and uh, he seemed to understand uh, the various issues. Beyond that, you can speak to it if you guys are interested. But mm -hmm. yeah. okay, yeah. No, I I had just seen that somewhere. I can't remember where that uh, he didn't tell me. I don't think, but and I was just interested in how uh, the review went as far as affecting what we're doing, and in, in or if it was just an informational thing. Yeah, I. It's hard for me to say how okay. how he um, understood it all. He seemed to understand the the benefits of the alignment that we're moving forward with and why we were where Great. we were. Okay. You're not going to speak for Eric, though. Exactly. Okay. <clears throat> thank you. Finance committee. Thank you. Just quickly, so thank you for approving the 2013 budget. I just want to let you know that um, you'll be getting your full budget book sometime in January, probably at the January meeting. And we're going to expand it with some narrative this year. And so all these items that we've been discussing, you'll see the budget assumptions, some write-ups on the areas that has come before the board, but we're now we're going to include it in the budget document as well. So thank you. General Manager. Uh, I, I was looking at my report. I think pretty much everything we covered today is what I've been working on, so I can't think of anything <laughs> uh, additional. Okay. Parking rep. We've got another special event coming, uh, Breakfast with Santa and our Crafts Bazaar. We've combined two mm -hmm. events in the warm, uh, December 1st, Saturday, December 1st. Um, so uh, food and uh, we're working with Rotary on this. Breakfast with Santa in the morning, and then the craft bazaar goes from 8:30 to 12:30. Right after I'll pass you all the flyer. So it's December 1st at 8:30. Yeah, so when Santa is arriving. Santa, Santa, breakfast with Santa is from 8:30 to 10:30, and the craft bazaar is from 8:30 to 12:30. Okay. Um, sewer and water. Just a couple updates. Um, the Rocky Ridge tank is back in service. Um, so there's a few cleanup items that we'll have to deal with next year in relation to some road work and the exterior coating, but uh, the interior coating is complete and uh, we'll have a little, hopefully have a slideshow for you of the process we went through to recoat that tank at the next board meeting. There's no ribbon cutting? <laughs> no ribbon cutting. <laughs> Um, and uh, just to trying to get one more in. Yeah, you know, yeah. I like those ribbon cuttings. About a diving contest. That would be yes. good. <laughs> Swimming. Um, Mr. Williams. 
Last update, it wasn't in my report because uh, it just got scheduled in short term and occurred uh, on Wednesday. Uh, we met with Department of Public Health to do our sanitary annual sanitary survey of, of the uh, Tahoe City and McKinney Quail systems, and everything looks to be in order. So. TTSA is in the packets. Um, General correspondence. Excuse me. Can I I'm just sorry. give one update? Oh, of course. Sorry. Um, I just want to let you all know that we have um, we're partnering with Tahoe Cross Country, Tahoe Cross Country, and Duncan, Duncan, Duncan Golf Management. And we, um, in light of your approval today on the winter operations at the golf course, we're going to do a kickoff party and fundraiser, and it's going to be on Sunday, December 23rd. We're hammering out the the finer details. We think it's going to start at four o'clock, but it is confirmed on the 23rd. Um, and we'll have a live remote out there. It's going to be a very festive, fun get-together, and um, we're going to try it. Duncan says that they think they can do about 100, 150 there. So um, I'm taking the lead on that, and my goal will be to have however many people we can have there. Um, and uh, anyway, it's just marking calendars. We'd love your support December 23rd. If you're in town. Did you say 4 o'clock? I think so. Will Santa be there, too? Santa will be there, yes. Well, carolers and we're not sure which busy. one. Yeah. yeah, we haven't asked There's only one. Well, we haven't <laughs> asked. We haven't asked our resident Santa yet. There's only one jolly old elf. <laughs> and haven't confirmed a fire truck yet. You practicing? Emphasis on the old. Help <laughs> <laughs> spread the word on that too. Jolly seventy-year-old. And if any of you have contacts, one of the things Kelly and I were talking about is reaching out to the business community. If people have contacts who might want to donate gift certificates for a silent auction. Mm. I mean, one of the best ways for us to raise money. And that'll be a time we have a lot of second homeowners in town. So, you know, hopefully spreading out to have more exposure, not only to our residents, but to our visitors and second homeowners. And Do we have okay. bonfire? We're going to be looking at that very quickly. Okay. You approved the budget today. Okay. We're also just one other thing to add is going to really try to, you know, with Tahoe City Downtown Association here too, I, I followed them out, is really try to partner with the local businesses and the core downtown. Again, I mean, the, the, the really cool thing about this operation is that we are right in the center of town. So really try to get the community behind it and share in the partnership where we can cross-promote the local businesses and make it a win-win and even see if we can tie it in for the night of the 23rd, if there's things that we can do with some of the local um, restaurants, shops, you know, we've wine tasting down. Yeah, you we walk down the trail. You get a glass of wine. There might be yeah, eggnog is um, an eggnog like a scavenger Very hunt. Good. But anyways, really trying to look at that throughout the season, that cross promotion, and show them the benefit that we can bring to them, so everybody's buying into it. Is the district involved in any of the lighting this year? Um, the downtown Tahoe City Downtown Association is taking the lead on that with the North Tahoe Business Association in, in following up with the grant approved through TOT funds. Very good. Bob. So the downtown association is lighting the the lighting light poles through town. Oh, I, I can't speak to that. Sorry. I'm sorry. The street. The street is there lighting. any lighting that the, the district lighting. is doing? I'm sorry. I thought you meant sorry. I went to the one. We always do. We'll be doing the wrap lights around the poles. Okay. Yes, but there is no tree lighting at Heritage Plaza, and I would like to donate these chairs for the bonfire. <laughs> be my contribution. <laughs> We're going to get on that pass. I hate these chairs. They're so uncomfortable. Um, general correspondence. A little bit. Is that it? Come on up in the world. Not all of them go up. Okay. General correspondence. <laughs> Any questions? There's 
There was a, a, a bit of a paper trail here on one issue, but. None from me, no questions. I mean with Pietro? Mm. Anything else? No? Okay. We're follow-up. It's in the packet. It's in the packet. Um, we did hold our first golf course visioning meeting, and uh, you'll see most of the other items are underway. Um, one comment that was made last month is who's tracking what Steve Deshera does or says it got, you know, on our behalf at uh, various meetings. He did contact me during the regional plan uh, governing board meeting this week, and he and I had a good discussion about uh, some testimony that had previously been given uh, related to Tahoe City, and he did make some comments on our behalf at uh, the governing board meeting. He reported those to me, asked for direction, and I gave him direction on those. So. Um, one of the issues we've had with that is how it impacts the golf course uh, and, and uh, the sense of what we're doing. So um, Larry Sevison, who's Placer County representative on the TRPA governing board, did support uh, looking at man-modified options for consideration in Tahoe City, which would be very critical to some of the business properties and, uh, and potentially portions of the golf course. So I think it's a, uh, Steve spoke in support of that approach. And uh, I think I'm very impressed with his interaction with TRPA as well as TRPA staff calling me and saying, by the way, I just want to make sure you're aware that today we're talking about this item and supporting it. So uh, it was, um, we've got a very strong relationship and I don't have to go to every meeting, yeah. <laughs> which I really appreciate. Okay. Anything else? Director's Forum. Just a question with the tablets. So are we holding on to these things? And then are we going to automatically get the, like agendas and committee packets emailed? You can hold. Or how, what's, what's our protocol? Um, you can hold on to them right now because there's a lot of things that um, I've learned just from feedback over the last two days. So I'll make changes and then I'll just be in contact. So yes, I'll email it and give you an update for the next tablet. Or they'll be in Dropbox, though. Yes. So, so you can just go to the Dropbox icon and get... Which you get notified by via email link. And then should we be deleting the old agenda? Nope, that's all managed um, on my end in Dropbox. Because I control the Dropbox, adding yeah. and deleting stuff. Okay. Yeah. So we leave this with you today? No. You can take it with you right now, so you can keep... Um, so you can have more questions and learn from it. And then I can get the answers for you. I'll show you how to download. And then are these set up so we're, we're, we will receive email on them or not? District email? Not yet. They're not set up for that. Okay. The, with the only, for all intents and purposes, primary use is for you, but there are times of the year when we might do surveys or borrow them back. Um, when we're out doing surveys and other activities where we might borrow them back. So there are surveys loaded in here already. So is the goal um, that hopefully we can become proficient enough with these that we'll no longer have paper packets? That would be ideal if we could get there. Okay. We have some work to do. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to go paperless. Yeah. yeah. I'll just mention something. Yeah, Dad asked about email access. Secretary say not yet. Uh, I think the town has a, an interesting practice and policy with respect to um, email, internet access in the council chambers during meetings, and it's disabled so that um, you can't uh, uh, 
can't use the equipment to uh, email um, or be otherwise distracted from what's going on. So you can't, there's no challenge that you've received uh, some sort of input um, that other directors or other council members right. have access to that keeps the record straight. And How does that happen? There's, there's yeah. one, and there's one case from uh, Los Angeles that um, challenged uh, an action, I think it was either the City Council or Planning Commission, on a denial of due process because during the hearing, the various uh, elected officials were, were distracted in a variety of ways and, and weren't really paying attention to the presentation. And, and the court said, yeah, that constitutes a denial of due process. If you're going to sit here as a decision maker, then you need to be focused. So, so the town had taken that sort of a measure um, so that no one could challenge it. So if we get to the point where we're thinking about having these devices have email access, we might want to think about how we might take some sort of similar action to just um, protect the integrity of our processes. But aside from this, I mean, if someone were to say text during a meeting or during closed session, it would be the same thing, right? It's a possibility, that's right. Now, with these, will we be able to be out of the area and still be able to attend the meeting? If it's noticed properly, right? No, no, I'm just... If it's noticed properly, right? Like Correct. If, I mean, we, we can utilize um, the telephonic remote location for director attendance, provided it's accessible to the public. Um, yeah. Whether or not you'll be able to get your um, meeting packet there, I, I would think anywhere you get yeah, email, you'll be able to it. get the get the meeting packet. Uh, you'd still be on the <laughs> telephone. Yeah. But yeah. These have to, you have to have a router, right? You have to have Wi-Fi access. Wi-Fi access. In order to download the... To access the Dropbox. Dropbox. Then once it's downloaded. But once it's downloaded, you can access it. Yeah. So you can go to Starbucks, you can download yes. your packet, and then go back to... Yeah. Once so it's downloaded... where you're going to be. Is so. there a provision where you can hook a hard wire into this? Um, I don't know the answer to that with the I tablets. I don't think so. I don't think so. You can load I think it up it's with 3G. Wi-Fi you're around, Lou. If you if you go to the thing that says find yeah. Wi-Fis, you might find that the guy across the street has a, a Wi-Fi connection. Well, I'm thinking of vacationing in Hawaii. Yeah. I'm well, sure again, there when uh, <laughs> I didn't have this particular one, but when I was up in the Gray Eagle area and I wasn't getting anything on my phone, I drove around Portola, and outside the Florida shop. Bingo, I had, and so I sat there, and it was a really the, great the way to spend a vacation. I think it was something Steve arranged in Porto. As a what? Go to the phone. flower it, shop on the corner. It's a big phone. It's not a laptop. Right. But I don't. <laughs> that was. I don't believe these have 4G, 3G, 4G no, access. So. And yes. the and the iPads are compatible with Granicus, but this isn't. Or it is if you go online and go to Granicus, I guess. No, there's an app specifically Well, you just, oh, okay. just give us an email or a call when, when there's something yeah, that we phone should phone use it for. Uh, I don't think it's important for you to be, I, it, it's more, uh, a, more of a struggle for staff, but there are confidential documents you will have on this in your Dropbox that are closed session documents at times that are not, we do not post on Granicus for the public. Okay. Yeah. So, and that Dropbox is only accessible to those I've installed access to, so it's only on those tablets. And oh, my okay. computer, it's not available publicly. Okay. It's a public folder, but only from my... How would you get to that screen? So it really, it's just um, a, a replacement for the binder, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
Anything else? Nope. Okay. Staff review of board action and direction. Uh, the only direction I had is when we draft the agreements uh, with winter operations that we make sure we have off ramps to rescale the operations uh, based on revenue and expense. Okay, anything else? No. Um, okay, we'll take a short five minute break um, and then come back and convene closed session to discuss um, agency designated represent that you want me to read that part? conference with labor negotiator conference with uh, legal counsel regarding eminent domain proceeding of Lake Forest Water Company and public employee appointment um, performance evaluation compensation general manager all right so we have adjourned a, adjourned a, we have